Before I am white, I am a son of God. Before I'm a man, I'm a son of God. Before I am Afrikaans, I'm a son of God. Before I'm a South African, I'm a son of God. Before I am married, a father, a pastor, a singer, a songwriter, I am a son of God. What is that for you? Some people get so hung up on their culture that they're actually worshiping their culture. When I have really died to self, when I have really become a new creation in Christ Jesus, then those things are secondary, secondary. Christ comes first. I did a song called It's Time with Luis Obala and Neville D, my Kosa brother and my Cape Colored brother. We are all three of us born again. We love Jesus. We love one wife and we have children and we go to church and we serve Jesus. When we sat around a table, we could have a conversation about the kingdom of God because our race, our position in life, our status in life, none of that came first. Being a child of God first, that is what came first. And that is what united us. My identity is in Christ first. I'm a son of God first because then my identity is sure and it cannot waver when my culture is attacked. My marriage is in trouble. When I make a mistake as a parent, if I, in my case, lose my voice, which has happened before, or I write a horrible song, or I never have a hit again. Those things cannot define who I am at my core. Jesus defines me. What is on your list? Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to do a quick recap again. I'm going to do it very quickly because I just want us to position our hearts and our minds again for what God is busy with in our church. So we, we started off the year with a New Year's service called Frequency, where God showed us that this year we need to be exceptionally intentional about tuning into His frequency about free, having a frequency of praise and worship in our lives towards Him and doing both of those things frequently, all right? Then we started our series called First and we spoke about first things first and how to make God first in our lives. And that, that means if God is first, it means the temple that hosts the Holy Spirit is also first. And church is therefore first because that's where we get together. We bring all of our temples together and we are the church. So that's where we serve and where we love others. Then we spoke about the first commandment and we saw how important it is for us to love God first. Nothing can be beside Him. Nothing can be more important than Him. We have to love Him first. And then we spoke about the firstborn and God showed us the importance of realizing that Jesus paved the way, showed us the way, made it possible for us to be born again by being the first to be born again. And then we spoke about marriage first. And God shared with us how important it is for us to understand biblical marriage so that we can understand, so we can have healthy marriages and also so we can understand the dynamic between Jesus and the church so we can be the best bride of Christ we can be. Amen. And then last week we spoke about first fruits, message of, of what it means to, if I really love God, if I really put God first, then I will take the first 
of my first fruits, the increase in my life, and I will give it to God first. So that's three firsts. The first of your first, first to God. All right? All the promises of bringing the tithe to the storehouse are linked to us doing that. So if you don't see the promises of God, check your life. Are you bringing the first of the first, first? Amen? If you missed any of these, please go back and listen to them, study them, and meditate on the Word of God, because that is how your life will change. My sermon alone will not change your life. You have to actually do what the Word of God says and practice it daily. That's what changes lives. Today, the message is called, His Child First. <laughs> no, I just had a, just thought about a joke, which is not appropriate. Um, we are talking about being God's child first. What does that mean? And I want to share four main points with you. Yes, I can do points. We're going to talk about how when I am a child of God, it is a position that I take up. In that position, there is purpose, there are promises of God, and there is God's provision. Position, purpose, promise, provision. Can you remember the four Ps? Hopefully that helps you. These are in our lives when we are adopted as a child of God by being born again. So first off, it's our position. I'm sure that all of us should be at least to some extent painfully aware of an existing class system in our nation. We are not a first world nation. We are a developing nation, which basically means we have some first world people and some third world people in the same nation. And most of the population falls under the third world part. And I think you will know that typically when someone is born into a certain class, they will, for the most part, remain in that class. Would you agree with me? All right. And this is, this is a harsh reality. Every now and again, we hear an amazing story of someone who was able to rise above the circumstances that he was born into or she was born into. But it doesn't happen often. And sometimes it ta- the, the, the breakthrough they had was because someone gave them a hand up. Another way that people get out of a situation of poverty and brokenness and dysfunction is when they are adopted by someone who can take good care of them. And that adoption, remember the sermon I did on the power of adoption around Christmas when I spoke about how Joseph is the father, became the adopted father of Jesus. And through that adoption only did Jesus become into the line of the King of David. Adoption is very important. Now similarly, we are all born spiritually poor. When we are born, we are born in sin. I'm going to say it again. If you don't believe me, ask a parent. If we are not born again, if we do not encounter the living God, give our lives to Him, align with His purposes, we will not reign in this life the way we are created to reign. And you can't give what you don't have. So you won't be able to help others. But true salvation, when we really give our lives to Jesus, positions us 
as children of God. It is definite, it is permanent, and it is sure. It does happen. We can and should have confidence in the fact that as born-again believers, we are indeed children of God. And I'm going to show it to you from the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians, I have a lot of Scriptures for you today. Harvey, clap hands. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16 to 18. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Remember we spoke about how we become people who host the Holy Ghost. We, our body is a temple. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, the people in the world, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. We sang that song for a reason today. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty God. Who wants that promise over their lives? Come on. John 1, verse 10 to 13. This is from the New Living Translation. He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him, and accepted him, he gave, listen to this, the right, legal language. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The New King James says we are born of God, then we are children of God. Of God. Now I need to be very careful when I say the next thing. People are quick to say all people are children of God. They are in the sense of that God created them. God created all people. But if that was the case, that we are all automatically this kind of children, why would the Bible say only after rebirth have, do we have the right to be called children of God? It's because there's a difference between being just born before rebirth. There's a certain position that you're in. But after rebirth, that position changes. You are now adopted by your heavenly Father. Amen? 1 John 5, 1 to 5. This is also a new living. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Have you ever heard people that say, I love God, but I hate people? Or I love God, but I can't stand his people. Then that person is not reborn. They haven't caught the heart of God. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commands. Can you see again the connection? And this is my, one of my favorite verses, just put in a different version. Loving God means keeping His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. It means His commandments are not hard to follow. How can His commandments not be hard to follow when we all look at the Ten Commandments and go, I can't do it. Because if you love Him, you will do it from love. And if you are reborn, you have access to the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit to keep you on the straight and narrow. And His grace 
is not a ticket to do sin. His grace is the power to live holy. Got that. Listen to this promise. We're, gonna, we're talking about position and promises are coming. I'm going to repeat this again, but just listen to this. For every child of God defeats this evil world. <laughs> and we achieve this victory through faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those. Everybody say, only those. Who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They overcome this world. Amen. In Christ, we are His child first. Okay, so the first verses I read was about our position as children after salvation. Now we're going to look at our position in terms of Galatians 3. We, if we are His child first, then this comes, I am His child before my race. Before my culture, before my status in life, before the class I was born into, before my background, before my work, before my spouse, before my family. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That's the race thing. There's neither slave nor free. The status thing. There's neither male nor female. Even in Christ, we are, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. He says you're a son of God. <laughs> it's a spiritual status. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This comes in again in promises. I'll show it again to you. Me, I, Heinz Winkler, before I am white, I am a son of God. Before I'm a man, I'm a son of God. Before I'm Afrikaans, I'm a son of God. Before I'm a South African, I'm a son of God. Before I am married, a father, a pastor, a singer, a songwriter, I am a son of God. What is that for you? Some people get so hung up on their culture, that they're actually worshiping their culture. When I have really died to self, when I have really become a new creation in Christ Jesus, then those things are secondary. Secondary. Christ comes first. I did a song called It's Time with Luis Obala and Neville D. My Corsa brother and my Cape Colored brother. We are all three of us born again. We love Jesus. We love one wife and we have children. And we go to church and we serve Jesus. When we sat around a table, we could have a conversation about the kingdom of God. Because our race, our position in life, our status in life, none of that came first. Being a child of God first, that is what came first. And that is what united us. My identity is in Christ first. I'm a son of God first because then my identity is sure and it cannot waver when my culture is attacked. My marriage is in trouble. When I make a mistake as a parent, if I, in my case, lose my voice, which has happened before, or I write a horrible song, or I never have a hit again, those things cannot define who I am at my core. Jesus defines me. What is on your list? What do you need to make sure 
does not define your core identity. Is it the family you were born into? Do you keep going back and using that as a reason why you can't break through? Is it the color of your skin? Is it the job you have? Is it the lack of education you have? What are you going back to and saying, this is defining me? But God is saying today, that doesn't define you. I define you. Where do you live from? Do I live from this absolute certainty that I am a son of God, a child of God? Because when I do, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When I know I'm a son of God, I will boldly approach him. This pastor that we know from the States, Jamie George, he once spoke about sonship. And he said, if, imagine an ancient castle. There's a king and he has a son. And there's all these people that work in the castle. Who is the one person that can come to the king at 2 a.m. and ask for milk? And he won't get in trouble. It's his son. I think that's a beautiful picture. Because he knows my dad will let me in and my dad will help. He just knows. When our children are little, they don't think twice about whether the parents will give what they need. They don't think twice about there will be food tonight. I will have a bed to sleep in. They don't think about it. They just know. In the same way, if I am a child of God first, that is how I can approach Him. As a child of God, my position, this is the third thing, my position is on the altar. This is where it gets very uncomfortable for many Christians. Romans 12, let's get that up, 1 to 2. This is Paul using very strong language. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, my fellow Christians, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What do you call that in English? It's a certain language. I forget the word. Oxymoron. Yes. I didn't forget that word, but well done. It looks like an oxymoron. I'm not calling you a moron. A living, what happens to something that's sacrificed on an altar? It's either already dead or it is dying. I want to put a, I don't want to put a negative image in your mind. But imagine yourself being on a sacrifice and you're burning. But instead of burning and dying in a way that you don't want to, imagine that the flesh, the things that are holding you back, your old self that maybe still, you know, left, is fading away from the holy fire of God so that you can burn brightly for His kingdom. That is what He's saying. Stay there. Stay on that altar. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In a way, he's saying, if you call yourself a Christian, this is the least you should do. It's your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and what is acceptable, perfect will of God. When we are transforming by Jesus and not conforming to the world, we can know the will of God and we can live it out. Then dying to self 
did happen at salvation. When I give my life to Christ, yes, I die to self. I get baptized with Jesus. My old man dies and I'm a new creation in Christ. But we need to remember that there's a daily choice to stay there. Otherwise, that old man wants to come back. I call it old man hiccups. It comes back and you go, who, where did that come from? Die, die, die. Put it back on the altar. We need to be mindful to stay in this position of being a child of God. Stay a living sacrifice. Don't move. You have a position as a child of God. It's on the altar. It's for the kingdom. Don't move. And we need to help each other stay there. Then we also, our position is that we have delegated authority given by Jesus. Matthew 16 verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I did a sermon on this called The Keys of the Kingdom. Please go back and listen to that. This is powerful what Jesus did there. We have access to powerful supernatural weapons that are mighty in God. I'm not going to put these scriptures up, but I want you to go once again. I've said this many times before. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 and read what it says. You have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, lofty ideas, and arguments. And you can take every thought captive under the authority of Christ Jesus. And in Ephesians 6, we have the weapons of, of the armor of God that we can put on and be safe. These things we have in our position as children of God. Secondly, purpose. We've been given purpose. As children of God, we all have been given the same purpose of sharing what Jesus has done for us with the world. We find it in the so-called Great Commission in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Let's talk about that, or let's read those scriptures. This is what Jesus gave us as our purpose. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Let's just stop there for a moment. He didn't come to them and say, some authority. Or I think I've got some. <laughs> All authority where? Heaven and earth. So is that everywhere or is that somewhere? It's everywhere. It's been given to him. He is either nuts or he is speaking the truth. And we all know that he's speaking the truth. He is the son of the living God. From that place of his authority over heaven and earth, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, like the Beatitudes and all the other things he taught them. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark 16 puts that conversation slightly differently says in Mark 16, 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, do you hear that? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. There's no middle ground in the kingdom of God. You are either going to eternal death or eternal life. And the decision has to be made on this side of eternity. And now he says to them, 
these signs will follow those who believe. And he wasn't just referring to the disciples standing in front of him. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. They will speak new tongues. They will stake up serpents and they will drink anything deadly and it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When's the last time you drove out a demon? When's the last time you healed the sick? When's the last time you tried by faith? This should be normal. When the apostles were moving around, it was normal. Somewhere along the line, we stopped believing that these things are possible. We think Jesus was just saying it as in, in an abstract way. The Jewish way of thinking is very literal. He was a Jew. He meant what he said. Amen. This will happen. And I've seen it with my own eyes. We can be these people. That is our purpose. Now we can hopefully see that we are given purpose and position in terms of delegated authority. As we are getting up every day, do we have this in mind? When I get up in the morning, do I have this sense of purpose? Do I remember Matthew 28 and go, how can I bring the gospel in my workplace? How can I bring the gospel to everyone around me? How can I teach the words of Jesus to those around me? Do I get up that way? Jesus, it wasn't the great suggestion. It was the great commission. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a kingdom, a king's domain. The king says you do. We have been brainwashed by democracy thinking, well, I'll do this and not that. And, you know, I, I didn't vote for this. So you're either a child of God who obeys or you are not. We have work to do. We have a mission that has been predestined by God for us to live out in relationship with Him. Listen to John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. This is our purpose. I've appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. Who wants to ask God whatever and he will give it? Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. Because just before this, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you and you ask whatever you want, then the Father will give. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? What are we created for? Good works that come from where? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's got this figured out. He knows exactly what each and every one of us should do. He is the author of life. He is the author of each of our lives. What is your purpose? Go ask the one who wrote your life down. Otherwise, you're going to flop around and not know what's going on. And you're going to be uncertain about who you are, why you are here, what's your message and to who your message is. I believe these works that they're talking about include the specific purpose we each have. Works that God has designed for each and every one of us individually. He has given us each natural gifts and spiritual gifts and He has embedded in us a passion. Something that we get excited about. 
Someone once said, one of the ways you can know what your passion is, is when you see something happening that is not right or doesn't happen in the way that you think it should, you, you have like a holy anger that comes and you say, this is, I need to change this. That is a sign of what God has put on your life. If it is a just cause, obviously. He has given us a certain personality, a temperament, passions and dreams that will help us discover each and every one of our tailor-made purposes. So do you see, we, we all have a general calling of discipling the nations. We all have that calling. If you say, I'm a child of God, that is a call on your life. Go to the nations, tell them about Jesus, and teach them what Jesus taught you. Do you see that? We all have that calling. You can't get away from that calling. But within that general calling, each of us have a specific calling that is tailor-made to your gifts, natural gifts, spiritual gifts, and that you need to walk in and say, okay, how do I change the world for the kingdom of God today with what God has given me? It's very quiet. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know your why? There's a famous speaker called Simon Sinek. He, he, he works with businesses and he tells them, you need to qualify the why of this business before you can qualify the what. So what is your why? What is your reason for existence? I want to help you. We want to help you as a church to answer these questions. One of the things we want all of our members to go through is a process of realizing and recognizing what is my identity and then what is my calling and how do I have found my specific calling in my life, workplace, and in this church. Do you want to, can some of you get excited about that? All right. Further, our purpose is to praise God. That is also part of our purpose with our lives. We live to worship Him, adore Him, praise Him, and thank Him daily. Revelation gives us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. We see elders and angels bowing and singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. Because that is what eternity is. And you think, whoa, that sounds like it could get boring after a thousand years. No. Do you know why? Because there's so much of God. You will never run out of reasons to shout, holy, holy, holy. And we need to start doing that this side of heaven already. Living lives that praise God. Many, many, many of the Psalms call us to praise God. God, do yourself a favor. Make a study of Psalm 95 all the way through to Psalm 100. And just read that out loud. Read one of the Psalms in the morning as you get up. Read it out loud. You will see what I mean. But this is one example. I want to give you Psalm 95, verse 6 to 7. It says, Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice. I love that. 1 Peter 2 confirms the importance of us knowing that our purpose is to praise God. He says in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That is part of our position as well. His own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. 
This ties into the Great Commission because part of our praise is to others. We praise God to others. What do you do when you brag on your child? You are praising your child before others. When we go to other people that don't know Jesus and we say, man, God has changed my life. This is how I was. This is how I am now. Only Jesus could have done that. You are praising God before others. And then they come to the kingdom as well. We are also instructed uh, to live a life worthy of our calling. We have a calling and we are called to live it out and live a life worthy of that calling. It's almost like we've been given something precious and if we don't use it, we waste it. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 3. I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you, there's that word again, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We each have a specific calling to live out. We need to respect each other's callings. We need to respect the differences between us and lovingly walk this out together. Amen? Amen. We're instructed to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. So we need to know what that calling is. If you don't know what the calling is, how are you going to work it out? And then we need to be intentional to walk it out daily. Otherwise, we will be disobedient and miss out on what God has for us. Third one, promise. You've seen our position. We've seen our purpose. Now we're talking about the promises of God when we are His child. When we are positioned as God's legitimate children and we follow our purpose, we can know that there is a promise of everlasting life. The first promise we can focus on is that we will go to heaven. It is settled. Amen? Amen. Jesus did what He did the way He did it for the glory that was set before Him, we read in the Bible. And we can also know that when we are in Jesus, there is a glorious day we can look forward to. Then we will be in heaven with God and we will praise Him all day long. John 3, 16 to 18. I know you've heard this many times, but this is important. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is why. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Why is it important to believe the name of the Son? Because His name means what? What does Jesus mean? What does Yeshua, what does it mean? Salvation to my people. If I believe in the name, I believe that there's a reason for His name being that. So I believe that salvation is why He came. So I have to believe that I need to be saved from something. Some people think, oh, I believe Jesus is, He exists, and that is enough. No. This doesn't mean believe He exists. doesn't believe that. It doesn't mean that. Because the people in the Islamic faith believe there was a prophet named Isa, Jesus. But it doesn't save them. James says that the demons believe but they tremble in fear. So there's a difference. 
Do I believe in the name that means I am saved by this name? And then do I accept it and am saved? Okay. We have a promise, second promise. We have a promise that we will overcome this world. Who, who can get excited about that? This world is a mess. It's broken. It's, it's stuck. In, some of us come from horrible backgrounds where terrible things happen to us because the world is broken, because there's an enemy out to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's a promise in the Word of God that when we are a child of God first, then we can know that we can overcome this world. 1 John 5 verse 5, we read it earlier. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe He's the Son of God that came to save you, came to set you free of sin and death, you can overcome the world. Also, we have access to the covenant promise made with Abraham. Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. As in my position as a child of God, with the purposes that God gave me, I have a promise that I have a part, I'm a partaker of what Abraham, the covenant Abraham, our God has with Abraham. And then finally, there's a promise of having peace in Christ. Despite experiencing the trouble of this world, when Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, he said to them, this I give you, my peace. He could have given them anything in that moment. He said, I'm giving you my peace. How many of you look at the world around you, you feel the stuff that's happening, you, you sense the busyness of the world, and you feel like, man, I just want some peace. It's in Jesus John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Wait, what, Jesus? I will have tribulation? That's not a promise, but I want to hear. That's not a lack of promise. Why will I have tribulation in this? Jesus, that's can't be. I'm going to stretch this out of my Bible. In this world you will have trouble. What? James 1. Count it all joy when trials of various kinds come your way. Romans 5 verse 3. Glory in tribulation. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can be going through tribulation with peace in our spirit, man. That is a privilege of a child of God. Finally, the fourth one, provision. God is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the all-sufficient supplier of all things. Matthew 6, 31 to 34. Therefore, do not worry. This is where our series verse comes from. Do not worry. How many of you worry every day about something? You are disobedient. Repent. Bring your worry before God. He says, bring your cares before me for I care for you. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? How will I have power in my house? How will I do this? For all these things the Gentiles seek, who are the Gentiles, the unbelievers? For, um, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. It's not a surprise to Him. How many of you go to God with a list? Lord, I need this for some this and I need that. It's like, I know. How about you start praising me? How about you start thanking me that you have breath in your lungs? How about you start thanking me for the fact that you don't have food? 
praising me for the fact that you don't have enough and see what I do. In this week, um, someone watched the video on tithing and said, I'm, I'm on a pension. I'm just getting by. I cannot tithe. I wanted to say that, lady. I, I don't know your circumstances, but I know the word of God is true. What if you try for one month to tithe your pension? See what God does. Just, and I want to speak to that lady where you're listening right now. Just see what God does when you do what He does, when you, what He's asking. Amen. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That is a promise. From God, he's not a man that he should lie, so this promise will happen. But what is the if? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then. There's an if and a then. We want to just get to the then. We don't want to do the if. Because why? It takes from our flesh to do the if. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Power that works in us? There's power in me when I'm a child of God? Wow. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. 2 Corinthians 6, 6 to 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's a promise. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen to this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you will always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Both of these verses tell us that God is able to give above and beyond what we can ask or think or imagine or that we see right now. So you might ask, well, if He's able, why is He not doing it? Does anyone have that question? From the scripture, I believe it is an attitude of the heart from our side that is able to unlock his ability. He is waiting. He is waiting for us to truly put him first. Truly put him first in every way. To be positioned as a child of God first. Is he my first love? If he is, then I will lovingly obey. I will so generously and that heart position of obedience and generosity to God, towards God, I believe that is what unlocks his ability to do far above and beyond what we can ask or think. Along with that, there's also the truth that I think sometimes we want the far above and beyond, but we are actually not ready to take it. And God knows that. So he's lovingly withholding. He's able, but he's waiting for the right time. So the attitude of the heart and the waiting are both important. Furthermore, we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amazing. 
Then part of his provision as, uh, that we get as children of God is that we have part of the divine nature. Listen to 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, what? Given to us, in other words, it is provision, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And lastly, in Jesus we have provision of life and life in abundance. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and destroy but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like us all to stand and take a moment to just reflect and respond what God has been doing. Church, people of God, when we are saved, born again believers, we become legitimate children of our God who has the right to call ourselves children of God. And we need to live life from this truth that I am His child first. Because then I have, let's put these words up, a powerful position, a predestined purpose, a precious promise, and a plethora of provision. That's a very fancy word that means a lot. This is who we are. His child first. Let's live from that place. With every eye closed, let us just focus on Jesus for a moment. Let's close our eyes and focus on Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you have given us your word so that we can know these truths. That when we give our lives to you, we have the right to be called children of the living God, the most high God. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you. I thank you for every person that stands here in this place. And Lord, I want to I I ask that you will speak to every person right now, that you will minister to their hearts where they are right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's keep our eyes closed and let's focus on Jesus. I want to ask those of you who have given your life to Christ, you know I am a born-again believer. But after this message and after these scriptures, you realized Oh, I have not really been living from a place of being His child first. There are other things that have been in the way. I've been relying on other things. Or maybe my culture, my background, my status in life has been infiltrating who I really am. There are certain lies that keep me from living from this place. If that's you today, I want you to take a moment and just say, Lord, help me to get back to that place where I'm your child first where I am positioned where you want me, where I'm walking in the purpose you have for me, and where I have access to precious promises and so much provision from heaven. Just take a moment and do that. Just position yourself back on the altar, back into the fullness of what God has for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then I want to speak to those who are here that maybe realize that yo, I've never actually really given my life to Christ. I've never become a child of God.
if that is you, with every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. I want to give you an opportunity to say from now on, I want to be a son of God. I want to be a daughter of the living God. If that is you, you want to make a decision today, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're online and making a decision for Jesus today, please let us know as well. Let us all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you, to make you Lord of my life. I die to self and I come alive in Jesus. I choose to follow you, to do your will and to live for you and you alone. Holy Spirit, fill me today. Strengthen me and guide me to live your way in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. We have a soul in heaven today. Thank you, Jesus. The angels rejoice and we rejoice with them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for church today. Thank you for being here. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Go to Connect Group. Join a Connect Group if you haven't yet. And let us know how you are doing. We want to be here for you. Have a great Sunday. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.